Good evening, my dear friends. This week is another unusual story. One of mine. And one of mine from this week. Though somehow it seems like time has been moving so much more slowly than usual. It feels as though it's been months since I spoke with you last. And since I had something to share with you from my own life. It hasn't been, but last week felt different for me. Please forgive me for sharing about myself again. Do I do that more than you would like? Do you dislike when I do it? I find it difficult, which is why I suppose I should do it. It's good to do things that are hard. When life becomes easy, that does not breed greatness. Though has that ever been something I've wanted? The answer is yes, I don't know why I should pretend otherwise. I told you I've found a new home, for now at least. A new home in a small place with people around me. This is strange and this is new and I have been enjoying myself. With hesitation and caution, I've been enjoying myself. Trying to convince myself not to be cautious or to hesitate. Anyway, my new home. I found a small house by the bluffs, overlooking the sea. The house itself is abandoned, for no one in town wanted to live somewhere where the wind howls so angrily and the cold cannot be kept out by the weak, ancient wood. It is too close to the edge of the cliffs and far too dangerous for most other folk. But not for me. For me, it is perfect. I do not fall unless I want to. Otherwise, I fly. But I have been enjoying having a little home, even for now. Not a white-tiled cellar in some horrible place. Not a motel where I fear being found any moment. Not underground in some forgotten forest of the world. And not a tower that has been haunting my nightmares for centuries. This is simply a little house that is all mine. Open and free. Certainly anyone could find me and attack any moment if they wanted to. But I don't fear that now. Let them come. I'm tired of running. One evening there was a terrible storm. The sky was dark gray and the clouds hung over the moon and the stars, keeping me from seeing them. This was my favorite thing about having windows looking past the cliffs and the sea and up to the stars. But there were none this night. The ocean roiled and rumbled with waves larger than any I'd seen in a long, long time. I opened the window to my room because I wanted to feel the storm on my face. I looked down to the shore, watching the waves crash against the sand. Someone without my preternatural eyes may not have been able to see them at night like this, but I could. 
I could see something else, too. Something was in the water, close to the shore. At first it was just a little something, a dark and steady spot in the sea, somehow not floundering or being tossed on the water. And it kept coming closer to the shore, and it grew larger as it emerged. It was a person, I thought. I saw a head, shoulders, a chest, legs, and feet, walking in the deadly waves easily, as though they were made of lead and the water couldn't make them budge no matter how hard it tried. They took a few steps on land. They appeared to be wearing something dark and loose, something that trailed behind them like a long, heavy cape. I ran from my room and out my front door to the front of the cliff to get a closer look. In the moonlight I could see his face just barely. His wet hair, slick and long, hanging down his back with that strange cape. He looked up in my direction and stared for a long time. Minutes, though it felt like hours. And I didn't look away. I wanted to see his eyes and his face better, but my feet were smarter than I in this moment and refused to move. So I just stared back. Eventually he started to walk and pulled out a small flute from his garments. He played it as he paced back and forth across the seashore all night long. I watched him do it all night long. And just before the dawn came, he stepped back into the sea and walked away until he had completely disappeared again. No one in town could tell me who this was. There were no myths or stories of such a man who emerged from the sea and walked the length of the seashore and back and returned to the water by morning. No one could tell me who this was. The next night I heard the music again, and I watched him again from my previous perch on the cliff. Again he looked up at me, looking right into me, despite the distance. Only someone with eyes like mine could see from this far away. This realization didn't comfort me much. But I watched him, and he played his flute for me again, and walked the length of the beach, his great cape trailing behind him. And after some time, he left into the sea again. The third night. It always happens on the third night, doesn't it? Is it me causing that, or is it just the way the world works? I wonder. Anyhow, the third night, I wasn't going to wait for him to come out to keep playing the game. My curiosity had overcome my fear, and this is a good thing. I met him down on the shore this night. This night was different than the others because this night was calm. The moon was bright over the ocean and I could see everything. The waves were steady. And the moment he began to walk out to the shore, 
I could spot him immediately. He walked out of the water as if he couldn't feel it at all. Steady, controlled. And as he did, I realized he wasn't wearing dark clothes, but rather a red robe, totally soaked through. It was decked with barnacles and seaweed and even pearls, things that looked like they accumulated naturally and accidentally over the years to form a perfectly beautiful, regal sight. They even stuck naturally in his hair. Long, ruby red hair, I could tell now. And in that cloak, too. But it wasn't really a cloak, was it? Now that he was standing, towering almost two feet over me, I could see what it was dragging behind him. The weight of the water and lack of use held them down to the ground behind him like the train of a cloak. And, as I looked a little closer, it seemed as though they were broken. They didn't move at all. They hung lower than mine or any of the other winged creatures I know. And they looked limp and purely decorative at this point. These wings. It dawned on me that that's exactly what he was. He was like the other winged creatures I have seen and come to love and fear. But he didn't enter my sight with a great explosion of light or a flaming sword. So the question now became, what did he want? At the moment that I wondered this silently to myself, he smiled and answered in reply, I just wanted to see what all the fuss was about. Then he pulled his flute from his robes and turned from me playing it and walked away. I followed him. He was once like the others, it turns out. Not like my dark stranger was, he was with them. He was revered among them. Wise and strong, his purity and power were great and terrible alike. He was an agent of justice and judgment, and nothing else. And his unemotional hand would serve those things without hesitation. Until, of course, he began to hesitate. He wasn't sure why, he wasn't sure what happened. But he began to grow tired of war. The pain that came along with serving what others told him was justice began to weigh too heavily on him. And so he simply disappeared. During a great battle, he'd seen enough death and pain and was done with it. He fell to earth and broke his own wings. Once white, now a grayish green from far too long in the waters of the sea. That was how much he wanted to be left alone. It was a sad life sometimes, he told me, but one full of beauty. He liked to come to the shore at night time, though careful to never reveal himself to any one mortal. Not like me, he was certain to point out with a bit of a scolding expression to his face. He came to me because of this. Because he'd sensed one like him. Not exactly like him, but close enough after all. 
and he'd sensed me in town. He saw my house and wanted to know just how obvious I was being. I asked him if this was so that he could bring down justice on me and put it to an end. He smiled and said no. When he learned I wasn't a threat, he simply... He simply wanted the company. If I tell you what happened next, I'm afraid that you might laugh a little. It's all right if you do. When unusual things happen to you, sometimes you have to expect as much. Before morning came, I asked him where he would go, or rather where he goes when he walks back into the sea. At this, he smiled and extended an elegant hand toward me. He invited me to his home. Interesting. In all this time that I've spent being whatever it is that I am, I had never even thought about going into the sea. If I don't need breath, then would I be able to stay there? How deep could I swim? What have I been missing all of these long, long years? And the truth is so much. I have missed so much. I took the creature's hand, and underwater he looked like an entirely different thing. His eyes had that gold shine I saw in the other glorious three, but only in the water, where his soul lit up. Perhaps they were even brighter because he could show me this wonder. How can I describe what it was like there with him? How many days was I gone? How could I hear his voice so clearly? How could he hear mine? How could it have felt like I was with an old friend who I hadn't met yet? I heard of his history and his pain. He heard of mine. He didn't ask me anything. I freely spoke what I wanted to of my experiences up to this point. I talked about you, too. All of you. Of the way that I tell you stories as often as I can. Of the fact that I have made and maintained contact with your kind. And of the fact that I am living openly with you now. He was fearful but fascinated by this but mostly interested in the stories of which I spoke. And so, I told him all of them. Every single one I've told you. In a little cabin of a downed ship under the sea, with sunlight or moonlight streaming in in golden or silver stripes across us in the water, I told him every story I have. All the ones I've told you. He asked me to tell you about him, too. And so I have. I honor him with this little story about our time together. And after we'd told all the stories we can tell, he returned me to the shore. I can't tell you, and I couldn't quite phrase it to him either, exactly how much I love him after that week. How grateful I am that he found me. He knows where my home on the cliff is, and I don't mind one bit. 
he may come whenever he likes, and I will return the hospitality he showed me. He left me on the shore with a kiss to my hand, as we both stood there drenched in salt water. I heard a small gasp beside us. It was a mortal child, a little girl, looking at two creatures who emerged from the sea, a tall, strong man all in red, a god of the sea to her eyes, and a woman all in black with a deathly pallor and a strangeness to her teeth and fingers, a goddess of the night, perhaps. Who knows what she saw when she looked at us? Whatever it was, we don't mind. So, I'm back now. Can you imagine what the stars look like from under the water? It's a beautiful sight. But I have a more important question for you now. Please know that I am sincere when I ask it. On every level that you can imagine, I am sincere when I ask this. What do I do next? Hi everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to episode 59 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is the author, podcaster, producer, etc., Kristen. I hope you're doing well. I'll jump right into it. If you want to help out the show, you can do so a number of ways. But first, I'll tell you about the newest one. We have shirts. Um, I'm so excited about this. There are three styles. We've got long sleeve tees, short sleeve tees, and hoodies. Um... You can check them out at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. So bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night, but there's a dash between every word in on-a-dark-cold-night. You got it, right? Next, you can support us on Patreon, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can have full access to the soundtrack of the show. So find us there at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Also, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. A lot of time and work goes into the making of the show, so if you would like to help me out financially, those are two really great options. Um, again, on Patreon, you can get access to the soundtrack. Coffee is just a one-time donation um, with no perks or anything, but it's still really cool. Um, another way is to listen to the show on the free Radio Public app, where every listen works towards your podcaster being paid for their work, so that's awesome. Finally, something that would mean the world to me also would be for you to leave a review and a rating for the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, or anywhere else you can review podcasts. And please keep in touch. You can find me on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, on Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, or on our Facebook page. That'll be it for me tonight. Apologies that this episode was released a little late. Um, thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. <laughs>